Welcome back, beloved listener. Here we are once more, another lovely Sunday. And coincidentally, this conversation is being recorded on a Sunday. Usually, they're recorded on weekdays. But I'm here with two very special guests, Mark and Lydia. Hey. What's up? Ah, you sound great, you guys. <laughs> and I've met Mark and Lydia at one of my favorite watering holes. I feel like I met you, Mark, at a at a house party. First. Definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. The first time, and then I met Lydia at a concert that he played, or you guys were both at a show because I saw you play with Brandon one time. Oh yeah, that's and I, swap. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think. I don't remember which was the first time that I met you, Lydia, but you know, some concert at Lonesome Rose. You hang around this times. town long enough, and you're gonna. <laughs> it's we a small we town. We only really go to one bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So you guys have been in San Antonio your whole lives. Um, I went to college and grad school elsewhere. I was gone for about eight years and came back like Whoa. five years ago. I went to college elsewhere and that took me eight years. And <laughs> then I came back. And elsewhere, like outside of Texas or just no, a little? No, not me. North? I went. I went to the to the fucking armpit of Texas and I went to College can Station. You say you can I, on the radio. I'll I'll blurt it out with a little church organ, but I, but it's great. It's, it's a podcast as well now, and so you can cuss. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to to A and M in College Station. Uh, oh, cool. And then and then came back after that. And I went to college in California. In the Whoa. Bay. And, um, it's called Stanford. You probably Stanford. haven't heard of it. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Whoa. So I was there for four years, and then I went to grad school at Boston University, and then I was working there. So you just hopped from each coast? Coast to coast. Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. The woman of the world. Yeah. Or the, the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like one more than the other? Um, well, like, college is just, like, the most fun time, you know? I don't think you can compare it. And I was, like, California, like, we're, like, an hour outside of San Francisco. It was, like, pretty idyllic. Yeah. Um, Boston was fun in the summer, and I hate snow. So, every summer, it's a really fun place to be as, like, your late 20s, early 30s, like, because it feels like everybody's in their late 20s or early 30s in that area. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, every summer I was like, this is so much fun. And every winter I'm like, why am I still here? Mm-hmm. So. And what year did y'all meet? I think we first crossed paths. Actually, she's got the complete timeline <laughs> down in her head. I know she does. I'll just let um, her tell you. <laughs> I, I first like saw or became aware of Mark. When I was still living in Boston, I was like visiting. It was like Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'm sure. And um, we had a mutual friend. I think I might have gone to your show, one of your shows at like 502. Um, but then, probably five years ago, I like saw you again and was like, hey, you know my friend and whatever. We actually connected, but yeah. yeah. She had her eye on me before that. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, like five years ago. And then you got married. Well, what year did you get married? Uh, we, so 2020. We, yeah, we started dating. Oh, awesome. We okay, started yeah. dating in 2018. We got engaged the year after that. And then cool. got married. Yeah. I moved here in 2018. Right cool. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got engaged Stop. on our one-year <laughs> dating anniversary, and we got married almost exactly one year after that. That's so great. I love it. Um, and so you both grew up here, though. 
Yes. Which is fun because now, like you mentioned earlier before we were recording, Juniper, <laughs> this isn't your show. <laughs> Be quiet. You just want all the attention, don't you? Um, but you guys mentioned that your house that you own now is like a, a direct midpoint between your childhood homes. Almost mm-hmm. exactly. It's and pretty wild. do you have family here? A lot of family here still? My Both of my parents, neither of my parents are from Texas. And oh. so... Um, I don't. I don't have a lot of family here. Just my mom and my brother. My is my immediate family. One of my uncles lives here also. On my oh, mom's cool. Side. Mm-hmm. But my dad is from the East Coast, so his family is just kind of spread spread about. Um, and my mom is from Peru, so like any. Oh like wow. The ex- my my grandparents did move here and live with us eventually, but at this point, it's just my mom and my brother. My close family. That's cool. Have you been to Peru? I have not. I have. Actually. Whoa, Mark, you <laughs> every, gotta go. Every yeah, every it. single person I know has been to Peru. Sure. And yeah. I have not. So I've been to Peru. You know. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I have a good amount of family in Texas. My dad and stepmom actually live pretty close to you. Oh, cool. And um, I have a younger sister who's a junior in high school. Oh, wow. And Yeah, and an older brother who moved here during the pandemic, mm. and cousins. My dad's from Laredo. Okay. And so, and he's, you know, big family on my dad's side, and a lot of them have settled in San Antonio now or nice. close by. Awesome. And yeah. so, do you do music full-time, Mark? Uh, it, do you mean like, does that what pay, pays, <laughs> pays my half of the mortgage? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I try to do music as much as possible, but no, it's, yeah. uh, I, I work at the, the Whole Foods in the quarry. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, you can bleep that out too, I guess, if, that, if necessary. <laughs> I don't care. I, I don't think you'll get in trouble. Or, unless um, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> I don't know. Now, now that Jeff Bezos is on the scene. Oh, right. He owns it now. I'm, Daddy, I'm just Daddy Whoa. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, so I, pl- I play as much as I can, but um, it, yeah, that's it, it amazes me that um, there are people who only play music and live off that. I mean, it's a it's, that's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I think it's good to be willing to do other things too. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes people can get too prideful to work like random regular jobs, yeah. you know, or like think that they're better than that or something yeah i had a pretty regular like like i would say middle class upbringing so i've never had the idea that you shouldn't be working or don't need to work right you know like i've, I've um, i didn't work in high school but i started working a couple years in college and you know have never not had a job in over yeah the last 20 years you know so that's good yeah working's good yeah. i'm gonna just real quick Put juniper outside, <laughs> <laughs> just cause you're. And it's, so and it's a nice day too. You'll be, you'll yeah. be fine. You're being so nice. Our, do- our dogs are outside right now. Yeah. Come on. What uh? What set list is that? Oh, it's from a Doctor Dog show. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, that was the first concert I went to in San Antonio. Right on. Oh, nice. They played at the Rustic. Oh, right on. And I talked to the sound guy after, and he gave me that. Badass. And they're on their fa- they're on their like farewell tour at this point, I believe, right? Oh. Like for that show, it was no like for nowadays. Yeah, like I this current tour, yeah. I think they have said that they're they won't be playing or making the records after this tour. Oh, wow. I could I could be mixing that, it up with somebody else, but um. yeah, I always get them mixed up with Dawes. 
I don't know why, but... Uh, I'm not familiar with Dawson. I did see Dr. Oh. Dog at the parish in, in Austin. That was a really good mm. show. Yeah, they do great. That first, the first, right, the first full-length record is... I was listening to it just the other day. It's yeah. really good. They're so good. Yeah. Man. Awesome. Well, so Whole Foods and Music, mm-hmm. and you're a teacher. I do. How long have you been teaching, and what subject? This is my eighth year. I took some time off, and then I came back to it um I teach right now math and science um but I'm what's called a co-teacher I don't know if you're familiar um I'm not so yeah it's basically like a a special ed teacher that like goes to general ed classes with special ed students oh okay yeah my students are taking like regular class my students are deaf I teach deaf kids wow um so like half the day I'm like going to their math class with them and kind of like helping them in their like regular classes and then I also have classes that are just in my classroom. Wow. So you speak sign language? I do, yeah. That's so cool. Do you guys <laughs> speak do you speak any other languages? Music. Yeah. Oh Universal. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, and we have some apparently Spanish and Spanish. apparently laughable Spanish because I know I am not fluent, but I figure he what tries. the hell, you know, like he makes an effort. Yeah, and people have spoken to me plenty of times in not fluent English, and I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I can communicate fine, so I kind of think it's the same way. Yeah, it's like I don't know if people come into this, you can get by. Yeah, I've worked at plenty of cafes and restaurants, and like the store I work now, where people who only speak Spanish. Tell me what they need, and I have no problem uh, hearing it interacting yeah. and, and all that. So, but she always makes fun of me when I try to speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot more. Sh- I don't want to make any mistakes, so I don't make as many attempts as you do. Oh, but I can um, I can find the errors in your time. I'm I'm fine with making mistakes. It's like the way like that's the way a good I'm, way to like live. Like the way I you gotta. <laughs> that's how you learn, right? Make some mistakes. Ah, uh, man. Well, that's cool. I. I didn't, so you don't ever teach, like, a full class, necessarily? Um, not necessarily, although now... That not, at with, di- not at this teaching position. No, my biggest class is three kids. Oh, wow. Um, but now with so many teachers out for COVID all the time and a mm. serious lack of subs, a lot of times if one of my co-teachers is absent, like, I'll end up teaching their class. Okay. They don't, they don't have, we don't have subs. I always thought it would be kind of fun to be a substitute teacher. I thought that too. But you have to have at least four years of college, right? Um, I'm not honestly. I think you need a heartbeat, and you know, <laughs> I think right now we'll take you if you have a pulse. Is Whoa. the Whoa. requirements for subs are so desperate. Honestly, I should look into it. You yeah, look into dude, it. you'd be. Great. I haven't you'd been be an to awesome college. Substitute teacher. I didn't go to college at all, and so. I don't know if they'd accept me, but... I'm not sure what the requirements are, but, like... I can hang out with kids. I definitely have worked with subs who, like, don't even really speak English. Oh, what? We just See, need... I, we need warm bodies in the classroom, yeah. so... I, yeah. did, I did always think it would be fun to be a teacher, but I think I'd get pretty tired of it if I was doing it full-time as my only thing, you know? Yes. Yeah, it is... Uh, I mean, my... It, my is, it is fun, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my mom was an educator, and, and like... Having come to know Lydia, I have a much greater appreciation for my mom teaching, being in education for, for like 40 plus years. So yeah. Long. And to think of all the changes that took place from her start to, that, to oh, her seriously. retirement, you know? Oh, because wow. yeah, I remember even listening to my teachers in high school and there was all this like professional development stuff that was new and like all these extra meetings they had to go to yeah. that just felt like... 
sort of unnecessary in a lot of like it feels like there's been a lot of stuff thrown into the education system a lot of red that's tape. more like flack you know yeah. or just like extra work for the teachers that's yeah. not necessarily even benefiting State the students requirements right? for funding and that's really yeah. like what it boils down to yeah. right it's um and it's it's i, I mean, actually got an invite for a professional development coming up that's like i'm sick of this like bringing joy back in the classroom <laughs> like, please don't leave um yeah. a lot, but a lot of professional development is like wow i already have so much to do i could really be using this time to i mean great you know, papers or do like or lesson plan or like you know call parents or yeah that's like the opposite of when we have to do some dumb corporate training at work i'm like all right i'll make the, i'll make this 20 minute video last an hour <laughs> yeah getting yeah. paid <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah, I don't know. I think that teachers don't get enough, like, respect or paid well enough. Yeah, you know, like, it's... For like, the amount of work that they do. We were having a conversation with her uh, family the other day, and, like, their her dad and stepmom are now pretty uh, conservative, I think, to say the least. And, mm-hmm. To say the least. <laughs> and, I don't know, in... in we she, She'll prep me before we, like, go hang out with him and be like, okay, now remember... Don't talk about this. Just try to try to just keep it kosher, but like the issue of uh, defunding the police, quote unquote, came up, and, and her stepmom was like, "Well, I don't, you know, law and order, and this, you know, you don't want just criminals running around out there, do you?" And it's like, and my point was, well, I just think in a world where cops get unlimited bullets for free, and teachers literally have to buy their own school supplies. Yeah, I think that's there's some, there's something wrong. There with could that. be is, some is balance adjustment. Yeah. I'm making, yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely am there with you. Yeah. I think that I don't think the police should be entirely defunded because I think one of the ways to keep po- cops like on the straight and narrow, for lack of a better term, you know, or like keep it more regulated, is to make sure they do have funds and you know the s- resources are there, but. The just that slogan defund the police, I get where they're coming from with it, and the idea of like there needs to be well, changes just like made. Reallocation of funds, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think, I think be- people hear defund and they think it's like yeah. take away all their money. It like makes we've people been defunding freak education out. in this country. Yeah, decades, literally you know? defund, defund, taking yeah, actively but we just taking used that term. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's, it's like, um, yeah, it's like just because you say feed the poor you're not saying oh so the rich are supposed to start and that's like no that's not what i said not know? at all no you eat the rich yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love you babe. <laughs> Why were they no, it's it's so wild because i i don't know i just think that america as a whole i feel has sort of a like we've idolized power uh, power and violence in a way or, yeah you know or like just with the military industrial complex and the fact that we allocate billions and billions of dollars for the military which i understand because you want to have a good defense system and stuff but i i don't understand that i I just think that we've we've put it a little too high at the top of importance it's like and they're all we were just talking about this earlier there are all these like bills that could be so beneficial and they're like oh we don't have it in the budget but like we don't blink an eye increasing the military spending budget right like another yeah it's a lot of i mean it's it's a lot of virtue signaling it's not you know like under the guise of needing a strong defense in case dot 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 
we have spent so much time and money being on the offensive like like right like the last time we've needed to defend actually defend our our own quote unquote our own homeland is like it, that it doesn't even it, it, it's 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 ridiculous that the under the guise of defense do we spend them do we get charged that much money right it's like a way for contractors and weapons companies to make money right. it's also a way to establish ourselves in other parts of the world and extract wealth from there and it's also a way to just like fan the flame of power worship you mm. know like the you know it's really it's it's not helping people it's not protecting people yeah it's um it's doing the opposite you know i Making I agree. Somebody money. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, you th- I like, you think I don't know. At some at some point, when you start thinking for yourself as like a young or college age person, and you start to figure shit out, and I don't know, like, you know, I got into my first conspiracy theory after nine eleven. <laughs> but you know, you want to you want to believe that there's some greater scheme going on that would justify all the the bullshit that and and the class wars and all this and yeah. then at some point you realize the major scheme is just people making money lots of money it's, a lot of it just comes down to profits yeah, yeah yeah you know there is no like like even ideological thread that ties like all these evils together like we were like we like would be easier to comprehend and understand you know mm-hmm. it's really just a lot of people acting uh, for their own profit and gain. And it's interesting, too. I mean, that explains a lot of, like, the QAnon thing, you know, because I feel that there are so many people that, you know, no matter what side you fall on, you can't deny that there's things going on... There's some shit happening. ...behind the scenes, you know, that's... Like, the corruption is impossible to ignore at this point. Yeah, yeah, but, but the fact that it really just boils down to people getting lots of money. Yeah. It's it's really deflating. Like you you think like that's it? That's why we're mistreating each other so much. It's right. like it's not some like reptilian overlords cuz that'd be a relief if it was. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. "All right, I knew some some weird shit was happening." It couldn't just be for money. It couldn't just be selfish individuals. And yeah. it really and it is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, <laughs> that's something I love about having a radio show and podcast is being able to because I feel like the best way on a very simple, basic level to combat the fact that this reality exists, that there is this kind of just hunger for power and money and control, the best way to combat that is to talk to one another and, like, see the mutual humanity in everyone and remember yeah. that, like, we've all got our own experience and our own perception and we're trying to figure out like what's going on what's yeah. going on and what is meaning you know yeah. like does anything matter yeah. yeah i think mark mentioned my extremely conservative parents and um i think even when we like you know the dinner table gets into these topics that i know that we disagree on we've always been able to like okay we can agree that like this is objectively wrong you know like we can agree that like so there are always these like little halfway points that we can reach. Yeah, and even just uh-huh. the exercise of patience, of listening to someone else, of yeah. not having to voice your disagreement, just that exercise of 
You know, as corny as it sounds, like picking out the good things and just yeah. you know, like just coexisting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's well, and a, just being a necessary exercise. I think just a willingness to listen and not have to like retaliate. You yeah, because yeah. that's what so much of the problem to me feels like with the discourse that goes on between people is they like they get so caught up in the need to retaliate yeah. and prove why they're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like I would rather let my rightness speak for itself you know rather than me having to explain why i'm right you know yeah Yeah. and it just kind of dawned on me in this moment but like there are like if i met people who have the same views as my parents but they weren't my dad and stepmom like i would be like you're an ignorant racist or something you know (laughs) it's like what are you talking about but like because they're my parents and i love them and like i know that they're good people who are maybe just you know, they have, they have a different source of information. Like, we can have these more civil discussions, whereas, like, if it was a stranger, I'd be like, you're not, you're not yeah. worth talking to. Yeah, it doesn't feel worth the time of day, yeah. necessarily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. that's where I think with families, it's especially important to, like, take the time, you know, to actually yeah. talk about stuff and refuse to, like, resort to just hatefulness or anger towards yeah. them you yeah. know you know it's as funny as as much as the two like identities are often overlaid and it becomes problematic if your extremely conservative parents were not in my eyes genuinely spiritual people there would be no chance of me giving them any time of day and it's like and and even as extreme or like extremely detailed as their religious beliefs are Mm -hmm. the fact that like um for my own self like that that you know spirituality and like having your mind open to those type of things that's that's an important that's an important um part of somebody's makeup for me to give them time or for me to feel like we can actually understand each other. Yeah. So if they didn't have that and they just were... Yeah, and so many of their beliefs are... Conservative like, yeah, people are, like, rooted impossible. in their Catholic faith. Yeah, and yeah. And and as illogical and as... To us. As, and as, <laughs> as many holes as there is in that, I can see, you know, yeah, it's... You can see a sort of genuine like hunger for truth in them right yeah and, and it's not and and although they and this is just using a wide brush to paint conservative <laughs> religious people and although they do they do feel good about being right <laughs> at least her, at least your family like actually wants to do the right thing they just don't want to feel good about being right you yeah. know right they're not just trying to like get the pleasure of correctness or whatever yeah yeah and or their idea of correctness yeah yeah ah well i love talking about like religion and stuff yeah i'm curious how you two were raised as far as uh, like spirituality or what you were taught to believe about the makeup of the world i feel like we both have very uh colorful do you want to go first (laughs) no you go first um so I, like I said, my dad and stepmom are very, like, conservative Catholic now. Um, I was raised more, like, casual Catholic, you know? Like, we uh-huh. go to church most Sundays, but, like, if we wanted to go to Six Flags one Sunday, you know, maybe we wouldn't go or, like... You could have church at Six Flags, yeah. <laughs> like, it was, it was a lot more laid back and just, you know, that my dad was raised in the Catholic church and... 
he always kind of, you know, and he had his time away, but he thought, well, I have kids and I need to, you know, this is how I was raised. So that's how I'm going to raise my kids. Mm. And, um, but it was, it was never like, like it is now, I should say. Um, and then my mom had ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. And so she was like, she knew that she was going to die for like, you know, the most of my childhood. Mm. Um, so I think in her, like, facing her own fatali- mortality, mortality yeah, yeah. I yeah. say fatality, um, mm-hmm. facing her own mortality, she kind of, like, explored a lot of different religions, and, you know, just, like, she just wanted, you know, she just wanted to know what everybody's beliefs are, and she was really, yeah. anal- like, what do, what do these people, how do these people view the afterlife, or how do these people view, you know, being a good person, or whatever, mm-hmm. so I think she kind of broadened her faith exploration in that time and then she passed away when I was nine in 2000 Mm. and um then my dad married my stepmom in 2003 and she is like extremely catholic like she was thinking I think she was thinking about being a nun before she met my dad oh wow and so we were kind of raised and it's like you know make mistakes and like figure it out and we don't have all the answers to like this is how it is so it got like significantly more strict yeah it felt oh yes yeah yeah Yeah. like my mom was like a huge hippie and um Mm. you know we had a very freewheeling childhood i would say like i said we were like the house on the block where like everybody would come watch the simpsons or whatever (laughs) yeah like you know it's like make mistakes (laughs) and we can talk about it and learn from them whereas like once my dad got remarried it's like I didn't have an opportunity to make mistakes. You know, mm. it's like... This so it went from, like, much... You felt like it was a much more kind of open-minded, kind oh, of yeah. curious upbringing, and then to this sort of very set... Yes. like This is complete, how it is. Complete 180. Mm. Very strict. And you were... So you were only... I was 13, 13 when I got remarried, yeah. Okay. That's... Uh, that would be a tricky age, I feel... To oh, be yeah. going through that. Yeah, and my brother was 16. And, like, my stepmom had never had kids before uh. she married my dad. So she was, you know. And, like, in the time between my mom dying and my dad getting remarried, I mean, obviously, we're all pretty depressed. and like For sure. I mean, I was, like, pretty young. But um, we call those our bachelor years. You know, we were just kind of, like, surviving <laughs> and, like, sending our clothing out to be washed by someone else. And, like, you know, just kind of getting by. And so I think when my dad got married, he was, it was like a huge relief. He's like, okay, now I have somebody to like help me with these kids. But like she got, she like inherited a 13 year old and a 16 year old. And he was like, all right, like raise my kids, you know, Uh, like you can make the rules now. And yeah, it was. um, That's a total. You're being shift. uh, You're, you're being really respectfully understated about how, uh, tyrannical (laughs) things, things. You know, Yeah, if this interview had happened when I was, like, 17, I yeah, I'd probably have a lot more, like, resentment. Mm. But I think I've distanced, you know, I'm, like, older now, and they, I think they kind of respect me as an adult at this point, and we've really... There's probably um, been a lot of healing that's taken place just in the time yeah. gone by, right? Yeah. It's crazy. My, um... My stepmom called me, like, out of the blue. Or she was texting me. She was like, can you FaceTime? And I was like, I can call you. And she was like, no, we ha- it has to be FaceTime. Like, I want to see your face. Hmm. So it was, like, two 
years. I think I it was remember, like right before we got happened. married. Yeah. And she was like, hey, I just, I like needed to talk to you and I had to talk to you face to face. Um, I like, I found this, I was going through your old room. I was like cleaning up or whatever. And I found this journal and I like, I knew exactly what journal she was talking about. Oh. And it was like so angsty and it was like, I'm going to run away and like you know, I'm such a good kid. And I'm like, oh, I was always grounded. Like all, pretty much all of high school, I was grounded. And it's like, Ugh. I'm such a good kid. And like, you guys don't even see, you don't like, you know, I'm like doing my best. I'm always in trouble. Like, and it was just like, I hate my stump bomb. It was like really, I was very angry. And, um, but she found this journal and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, like obviously that was a long time ago. And she was like, no, like your feelings were valid. And like, I was really hard on you guys. Mm. And like, um, she just, yeah, like, it was the first time, you know, like, ten years later wow. that she was, like... Even acknowledged that. Yeah, she was, like, you know, I didn't necessarily know what I was doing, and, like, I... Yeah, like, you guys had just lost your mom, and, like, I... Yeah, we... Yeah, we were... It was very, very strict. For sure. And, um... But and in, in the terms of religion, it almost became, like like a punishment you know like mm. I would get in trouble and it's like okay you have to like read this book by Pope John Paul II and like you have <laughs> oh, wow. to like write a five page paper and like quote ten bible verses or you have to go to confession oh my god I hate it I still hate confession sorry Man. Um, no, but I, it was like you know whereas like religion had always been like something that we could explore and like experiment with and like ask questions it was like this is how it is and this is what you need to do and these are the steps you need to take to mm. like make up for what a bad kid you are, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't really fun anymore. And it got completely, like... And it was no longer a choice. It got completely interwoven with with, ev with yeah. everything, with their complete... I mean, I'm obviously speaking as a third party, but... Yeah. Um, Just distorted the whole perception of it when it becomes something where it's like, no, now you're using this to make up for your shortcomings. Yeah. You know, and it, that's... I mean, that takes... All the beauty out of it, I feel, when it is something, because like the, I think of like ritual and tradition and these like liturgical things you can do that the Catholic Church has an expanse of because mm -hmm. so much of that is rooted in this like ancient traditions, you know, oh, yeah. but, and I think the those can be really Peter, beautiful you know, like and like, Christian yeah, church, like they know? can be <laughs> sacred and like special things that can help enhance your life, you know, and bring more beauty to it. But as soon as it's turned into this, like, tasks you have to complete in order to win the approval of God, you know, like yeah. your creator, then it it totally misses the fact that, like, no, it's your first loved, actually, without yeah. doing anything. Yeah. And so rest in that and then experience the joy of, like, communion with the Lord rather than, like, forced intimacy, you know, because it's yeah. not... It yeah. robs it of all genuine and like, love. I think outside of that, like I went to like Christian camp and I like love Jesus as a teenager. And I was like, you know, I was like into my Bible and stuff. But like as it became more of like, no, that's like you can't pray sitting down. We have to like kneel or, you know, mm. like the, it's like everything. There's so many rules, you know, and yeah. I already had so many rules in my house. And now there's so many rules on like how I can speak with my God, you know, Ugh. and it's like, it was no longer like, oh, this is great. Jesus loves me. You know, <laughs> like I'm going to live my life for Christ to like 
just like not wanting anything to do with that because it was mm. no longer, it was a punishment, you know, it was, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. That hurts my heart. Cause I feel that that's such a, I mean, just like a sadly wildly common yeah. scenario, you know, yeah. for so many people that grow up in any kind of religious upbringing, really, I think it can happen, but it's like some, I, cause I grew up very like non-denominational mm-hmm. Christian where like our primary thing was we believe that God loves us and that the story of Jesus Christ is true. And because of that, it's our job to love everyone yeah. and learn how to love ourselves because we were made on purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, and that being like the base level made it so much more, because obviously if I, I would still get in trouble and there were rules and things, but like my parent, I was also the baby. Mm-hmm. And so I got a very spoiled in a way with whatever I wanted in a lot of ways, but it was still like just rooted in the understanding where if I did make a mistake and came to my parents even and like confessed it to them because I felt so bad, they showed such like grace and understanding and listening to me and realizing like, you're just a kid, you're growing up, you know, it's so Christ-like. I feel like (laughs) so many like of these modern Christians are like so far from Christ in a way, yeah. you know, it's like if it really was just about, you know, I'm down with Jesus, like that's a righteous dude, you know, but like, it's just been manipulated in such an ugly way sometimes. It's had the same human treatment as anything else, you know, yeah, if the military really was about protecting its citizens and, you know, standing for right and, and fighting injustice in the world, well, that'd be great, but it's not, it's about profit. If the expansion of Christianity or Islam or any any religion that has now yeah. expanded into a network of power structures and mm-hmm. financial accounts and other vested interests, it, you know, like, it'd be great if the point of that expansion was to, you know, spread truth, understanding, getting people to, to think about the non-physical world that's, you know, yeah. part of our reality. Well, that'd be great, but it's not. It's been a lot about plundering and conquering land, about mm-hmm. taking riches, about exercising power over whatever target group is, yeah. you know, is to be subdued. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it would be great if, like, humanity is the worst thing to happen to, <laughs> most, to most good things, it's you know? A, it so goes, humane. yeah, it goes so, like, both ways because I feel it's, it's like the worst thing, because anything that humans are involved in, corruption follows, yeah. you know? But yeah. there's also, like, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater in the way of forgetting that as much corruption, or the as much of a capacity for corruption that we have, we have an equal capacity for goodness, you know? Yeah. And, like, we can, I've, I like to believe that we can work on these structures that have, Formed, you know, spe- actually, like, speaking of okay, speaking of the st- structures that have formed and that you, that phrase "throw the baby out with the bathwater," like yeah, it's pretty like lo- I mean, it's pretty logical where that phrase comes from. It's like oh yeah, you know. But the thing is, the reason the the baby could get lost in the bathwater is because the men would bathe first, and like like in like rural America mm-hmm. when they just had like a tub or a barrel to bathe in. Yeah, the men would bathe first, and the boys, and then like. Then the women, then the children. And so the baby was the last one to be bathed. And so it's like you might chuck the baby out because the water's so, so dirty. nasty. Yeah. So 
So it just the structures in general. If we would bathe the baby first, right, and then <laughs> let the and then let the most powerful, capable uh, providers let, put them last. Thing to bring to that, yeah. That I think that would, like not only would that phrase not exist, but a lot of these structures would be right. You know, would be the right would be in the right order. You know. And hearing you say that makes me think of, because I still like consider myself a believer because mm-hmm. of. Like, I've just experienced so much joy in my own personal spiritual life in this, with the, like, prioritization of Christ as king, you know? And in that, the thing that's caused so much love of it for me is the way that the entire, like, methodology and ideology of what Christ brought with his message was basically flipping the kingdoms of the world upside down mm-hmm. on their head because like he mentioned over and over like i came to serve you know and i came t- for the sick and it wasn't a matter of like coming to establish power and dominance yeah. you know but his kingdom is about coming under and lifting up and so this idea of like washing the baby first it's it makes me think of just flipping these structures that mm-hmm. we've formed as humans Absolutely. with the idea of yeah, we need to get as much power as we can and be in control and da da da. And it's like, no, actually, surrender your power and look where you can help and serve and lift up others. Yeah. And that'll actually be so much better for you as an individual because you'll get over being so focused on yourself all the time and then actually help others around you. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's a that's such a cool idea to think about just because I think a lot of people forget even what the baby with the bathwater came from you know yeah yeah wash the baby first yeah Yeah, seriously first shall be last yeah yeah exactly (laughs) man well that's i appreciate you sharing all that that's really yeah it's so i've i was never raised catholic and i've still never been a catholic mass but i've gotten a ton of catholic friends and one of my favorite uh like writers and teachers is this guy named richard Rohr, and he's like a franciscan priest but he's very, he's a little too liberal for the conservatives yeah. and a little too conservative for the liberals. Or yeah. like, you know, he's just very in the middle. And he wrote this book called The Universal Christ. Mm-hmm. Kind I'm, of. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen the book around my mom's house. Oh, yeah? Yeah. R-O-H-R? Or yeah, R-O-H-R. Yeah, yeah. I've, I think I've seen that. It's a really, I've really enjoyed, I've only listened to some of it so far. But so many of his ideas and the things he talks about are kind of come at this these structures of organized religion that we've formed that have tried to explain and understand God and in a way sort of robbed God of the mystery and wonder that there is. You know, and like, mm. we, if it's God, we're not going to really understand it fully, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, it's, it's so wild. All the, I love all these crazy ideas that humans have come to and then the fact that like (laughs) i don't know i i just believe in miracles you know and yeah i i I, so i i I ended up getting a degree in in philosophy in college and i think that i i started off like in design and then i switched to music and then eventually was like man i gotta wrap this shit up at some point and i was like well i've been taking all these philosophy courses might as well just finish with what i'm actually interested in yeah but um yeah, like when I, th- you know, like metaphysics and religion were always my area of interest in philosophy mm. and what I did the most, like my own, the most reading about on my own and was like 
have pursued the most, you know, uh, after, after leaving school. And like when I really get down to it, I don't, th I don't think any system or individual has those big questions figured out. Mm. But I think that if you really think about it and get down to what we know and don't know, like eventually you're going to blow your mind and realize, okay, there has to be a larger organizing principle, you know? And right. I think the, um, that the question of whether God exists or not, like when a lot of people are self-described atheists, I think that um, it's a way to, to assert an identity when like, mm. you know, and an identity that's antithetical to the current culture, you know, like, right. you know, because being, when people say they're an atheist, a lot of time what they mean is, well, I don't buy into like all this virtue signaling and all this bullshit and I don't buy into copping out and like letting someone else be guilty or be punished for what you've done. Like, totally. you know, just all I mean? these human made systems, like, yeah, so yeah. And perception, it, these human formed. Yeah. It, it's not so much so. that in the question of, do you think some expansive cosmic all encompassing being exists? I don't think like that's, you know, some atheists just don't think that and that's, sure. and that's fine. But I don't think that's what, that's not the matter that, a lot of people are addressing when they when they have a religious identity. It's more like I don't agree with these systems that are associated with this. Yeah, with these this title you institutions know. really. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think if you really get down to it, you will have thoughts and experience. And and as you live your life, if you allow yourself to be open to the possibility of a non physical world existing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like what's where where we came from? Where are we going? What's really going on out there? It's why it's it'll blow your mind, and there yeah. there are some, you know, there is there is definitely an otherworldly element to being a human and having this consciousness that totally. we have, you know. Yeah, it it seems outside explanation. Yeah, right. Yeah, like which which is the essence of what God is, which is yeah. something that I was, I guess, raised with, but that that I've definitely come to my own understanding is that it. You know, even for a deeply religious spiritual person, it's a paradox because the center of your life is unknowable and mysterious and like beyond your comprehension. Mm -hmm. But we do have certain faculties that can like glean things about whatever God is, whatever the spiritual world is, you know. Like yeah. It's been a um, spirituality and the divine has been a part of human culture from when we we're even we're even considered being humans you know that's yeah that's to me that's kind of like an indispensable part of the human race you know mm -hmm. of of our identity separate from animals or from the world you know yeah um yeah just consciousness alone yeah feels so it, it feels insane it, it feels like, it feels so wild that you would think it has to come from either somewhere else or it's Origin is so deep inside things. It's mm. you. It's it's hard to know. It's hard to find. You know. Yeah, and just, yeah, man, I love it though. I love that. That's like that's kind of where you have to get to the end, is to realize I can't know. You know, like and uh, sort of rest in that and be okay with it. I, th so, I think that's so comforting is to like embrace that. Yeah, the because unknowable. Because I feel like that, especially in the Catholic Church, 
It's so black and white. It's like we are the church that Jesus told St. Peter to make. And like, you know, we have this, like we can trace every belief to this book or this whatever. And like Mm -hmm. everything is so black and white. And I know that my parents find a lot of comfort in that. You know, they're like, we're doing the right thing because there's an answer. There's no like gray area. You know, it's like. And that's if you are able to embrace that fully, like I can imagine that's extremely comforting. You know, it's like I don't have to question anything because like my church tells me exactly how to live and what's right and what's wrong. And like I think Mm -hmm. it's it's been difficult, but it's so comforting for me to be like, how could a man know everything? You know, like we're just human beings. Like how can we say, I know the exact though. This is what God would want or whatever. You know, it's like. Just kind of embracing our fallibility and like our total inability to understand why we're here or like, you know, what our creator asks of us. Like, it, oh, I don't have to know that because I'm just like a little speck on this tiny planet. And, you know? and I think <laughs> like, the, the way we're that. We're so insignificant. How, how could we claim to like know everything? And like The way that I was raised also, like, like our religion and spirituality like I was raised in the Christian church I went to a Presbyterian church growing up but like that wasn't either of my parents like home tradition you know like it was just I mean my mom liked the Presbyterians because they seemed like fairly open and accepting and progressive I guess you know I mean even though like I guess typically Presbyterians are like you know starchy old white people you know like as a as a teenager coming from Peru when she came here to go to to school to go to college um I don't know I'm sure after literally having done research about various denominations she was like well Presbyterians seem like sounds on my alley yeah sounds sounds reasonable you know rooted but you know there's that's the thing too though there's just so many yeah and and my and my dad and my dad was raised in in uh, like in a traditional black church Baptist or Pentecostal you know yeah um, I mean, they're very different, but like as far as black churches go, there's yeah, there's kind of a common a thread there, you know. And so, he has his own faith tradition and Christian tradition. So, like when when they decided, well, what church are we going to go to? They're both pretty like flexible, you know. Yeah. So I was raised like as a Presbyterian, which just meant like I went to Presbyterian camp, a Presbyterian church. There wasn't anything like. There's really no, like, gnarly doctrine that Presbyterians have that really differs. I mean, I guess they do believe in, I don't know, I don't know where they stand on the preordination versus free will debate. I can't remember. Yeah, that gets tricky in a lot Yeah, it's like, but, but like, religion, while we went to church every Sunday and we would pray before meals and pray for each other and, Mm -hmm. like, we're, you know, always always directed to faith and God as a stable, reliable point in our lives. It wasn't like over to an overbearing degree at all. It wasn't like I didn't we didn't get guilted. Yeah, it didn't feel by, like forced by religion. Yeah. It was more like just the real world consequences that would befall us for whatever decisions we made. Mm. Not like going to hell or Jesus, you know, God is mad at you or something like that. It was yeah. never it was never like that. Um it was more like like our faith informed our morality, but also so did just the way things were, you know. Right. Actions have consequences. Yeah, yeah. Like my, you know, like seeing my parents give money to people asking for money on the side of the street, 
it wasn't just because that's literally what Jesus said to do. It was also literally because if that was you, you would, you want, would want somebody yeah. to help you get a bite to eat. Do unto others, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my dad, that was something my dad would always say when we'd see, you know, people people without houses on the street asking for money and be like, not for grace, there go I, you know. Mm. Like there's, there, I think, and both of my parents upbringing um, exposed them to just various standards of living to where they didn't take things for granted. I think they, they yeah. it's fair to say they both had times where they were poor growing up. Um, always provided for, but poor at various times. Yeah. And so just that, like a very like grounded, I don't know, like working man's Christianity was kind of what I was raised with. You yeah. Know? Well, and I, I think that's one of the th- biggest things too that's plagued the church as a whole is the forgetting of caring for the poor and the oppressed and like getting caught up in this idea of live your life right for God and you'll be blessed, you know, and getting so caught up in that prosperity idea where they've totally like, it's not even about the poor anymore. And that's like who Jesus came for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like something that I've really, that really chaps, chaps my whatever gets chapped. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just this idea. And it's, I mean, it's big in the. I know it's big in the Catholic Church. I'm sure it's big in a lot of it's big worked, tradition it's, where it's like people have this cognitive dissonance, and they're like, "Oh, like Jesus said that, like it, you know, what, like it's harder for a camel to go through the harder uh, for a rich man to get to heaven than, than for, a yeah, camel for a camel to go through." Like, yeah, you know, know, so there must you read that, and you're like, "Oh no, I should give all my money away." And but then they're like, "No wait, loophole! I have all this money because I'm a good Christian, and I God has blessed mm. me with this money." And, and I can make plenty know, of tax tax deductible donations yeah. in the yes. name of this religion. Yes, you know. and it's like, I, like how can you? I just don't understand. You know, my my dad's a physician. My parents have huge like five bedroom, six bathroom house, and like a gated community and. He's also like, a deacon. <laughs> yeah, they have a 12-foot cross in the backyard. Oh, wow. And, like, I just, you know, how many people could be fed with that? You know, like, if mm. I just, that's one thing that I just can't seem to get a, and, but, like, also on the flip side of saying, like, well, we're good people, so that's why we have this money. Then what does that say about, so you're saying poor people are bad? You know, like, they're right. not good Christians. Having, like, having a, a parent, well, I mean, having parents of color, I know your your dad's Chicano, you know, but, um, like, I don't know, like, be, and being a Catholic is a whole different thing. But, like, having a... It's a whole different thing. <laughs> but having, <laughs> having a, a, a parents of color and having a black parent, my dad, and being raised in the Christian faith, again, I'm, like, kind of, I'm generalizing here, but... Um, there's there's a, a great number of Black American Christians who have a different understanding than of of the faith than than white people or than oh, people man. who haven't experienced the black the black life Dude. because yeah. from from all the way from our enslavement being justified even biblically down to the verse by by Europeans and right. Americans all the way to being for you know having our native religions forced out of us having a foreign religion forced onto us that being part of the literal psychological shackles that kept people loyal loyal to their abusive masters and abusive system you know i mean there's parts in the bible 
that say, you know, slaves be obedient to your masters and masters be gentle on your slaves or whatever, right. you know, and it's like people fail to realize that, well, those Roman slaves didn't want to do that either, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't like, it's yeah. not just the way it is, that's a human system that's, yeah. that's been Slavery's imposed, you know? meant to be dismantled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, the, having, having faith, having Christian faith as a part of my life growing up as a person of color, um, the narrative definitely is more like, even when you can't, see, even in the darkest nights, God, God is there for you. Even right. in the darkest times, you are being taken care of and provided for you. And we like you're. A lot of people may fall along the way, you know. But that's where you you know they're they're. Uh, you know, like I don't know, like if you like, and I've never really made this this comparison in my head, but like. You know, like Christianity being all about salvation for or like modern Christianity being very goal oriented, like, mm -hmm. well, either the point is to get to heaven. If you don't get to heaven, you lose the game and right. that's it. You know, like Christianity being a, a such a big part of, of black people's liberation in this country, the, the perseverance to um, to keep going, to try, you know, to try to be nonviolent in the face of violence, all these things. It's mm -hmm. like. So you may, and like I said, I never thought of this until just now, but it's like, so not everybody who ran for the North made it. A lot of people died on the way. Yeah. That doesn't mean that their journey was in vain. And so mm -hmm. like, the, I don't see it as like, you know, some people say, well, you know, the door to have the path to hell is wide and the path to heaven is thin and you don't be one of the one who falls. But like, if you're trying, that's the point. If you're trying to find that freedom, that spiritual and mental freedom, and you may fail along the way. You may die before you feel like you've figured out the big answers in life. You yeah. Know, which a lot of that doesn't mean that your efforts are in vain. You know. Totally. It means like that's the whole point is the journey. Yeah. That's the, the whole point of is truth the, is the freedom. effort. Yeah, yeah. You know. And something is with like the black church in particular. I think so much of the white church in America has missed out on the beauty of the liberation aspect. And even just the connection that so much of the black church feels to the Hebrew story of being freed from s slavery in Egypt, right, you know, right. and they connect to in that in between. Land yeah. And, and then, then getting in the wilderness, back, you know, yeah. And then thinking of heaven as the goal, I feel that we've robbed our experience by forgetting the lines of the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, forgting that it's like, no, heaven is meant to be brought to earth through us or you forgetting know? christ's like, own words that the kingdom of heaven is among you is yeah and is it's for all you, you like know? yeah it's yeah man like the wedding feast that the parable that jesus tells where he goes out to invite everybody you know and oh it's yeah like, we've yeah. gotten so exclusive and restrictive with the rules and legalism that we've missed out on the beauty of the liberation of yeah. humanity you yeah know? and also i was never i was raised a Christian but never I was never told or taught that other religions were wrong mm -hmm. like my my parents both said and believed that there is there is one God there is one you know again yeah. if you can like sum all, all that that is down into one thing well there's only like there, that there's one God and, and each religion is various cultural geographical Renditions and, and human of. attempts to, to figure that out. Yeah, so I was never taught that. 
while I was taught that the life of Christ was true and the example of Christ was true and that, you know, that, um, that's the sort that, of, that was the main point. Like they didn't, yeah. they didn't get into like whether or not the devil actually exists, like whether or not hell exists. At one point my mom told me she didn't really think hell existed. Mm. And I had kind of come to that conclusion to myself as well. Yeah. Well, when it's, when you can experience such hell in this life already, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, like what? I do believe in hell. It's like, it's like, like yeah, how could, already, how could the movie be better than the trailer? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, you guys, we've been talking for about 57 minutes, so oh, we got to take a break. Right and we can come back and talk some more next hour if you want. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. <laughs> All right, friends, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Sweet, lovely listener, it's the second hour now, and I'm still not on my own. I've got with me, for another time, Mark and Lydia. Greetings. Hey. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. How are you guys? Very well. Doing great. Heck yeah. Uh, so we talked about a lot of stuff first hour, and I love all the comp- like different uh, topics we covered, and I'm excited to see where we go now. Uh, what would you like to talk about? Well, so I get. I feel like my spiritual upbringing or like journey had like two main parts. Like childhood, you know, like going to Bible school and camp, and you know, just learning the general Protestant Christian traditions. Yeah. And um, at a certain point, I started becoming much more interested in like the metaphysics. And the kind of philosophy of of religions and spirituality and Christianity, and um, it pretty much aligned with, with when I started uh, experimenting with psychedelics. Oh yeah. And um, you, you know, like I know I'm definitely not alone in that. Some of the most striking and deeply resonating spiritual realizations I've had and experiences and visions came with the aid or, For sure. um, you know, under the influence of psychedelics. Yeah, and uh, right now, I mean, like, that is trending annoyingly hot in, in you know, pop culture and totally. internet culture. And uh, like a lot of things that, that become popular, it's get, it gets watered down and kind of, you know, pro- profits and ego steps in and, you know. For sure. And you just got you you to make the best of it, but... I've um, I've always just been so interested and kind of humbled and just amazed about the interaction of um, about how altered experiences have informed spirituality and humanity, mm-hmm. how, how they inform um, you know our idea of God, ourselves, other non-physical beings, be they you know angels or our ancestors or anything like that. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know, like it's that's I would say that that helped kind of define the second chapter of of my spirituality. You know, like mm. there was I was definitely given a good solid moral and biblical um, foundation. Foundation, or, yeah. yeah. And um, when I started having uh, different kind of visionary experiences, um, that's what rank, what what made 
the reality of God ring true to me. And that's what helped mm. helped facilitate certain experiences where beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know there's something out there and I know that we're connected to it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just, um, I think th- it's just really interesting how like very intense and, you know, internal experiences like that, be they lived out trauma in your in your everyday life, um, certain relationships you may have, or certain visionary experiences you might have. There's certain things that happen that just cement, um, you know, your spiritual identity. And, yeah. and I think, and, and for a lot of people, those, those experiences have, you know, have, have come along with, with, you know, visionary plants and substances. You know? Right. Yeah. I think it's so interesting, the, the demonization of drugs that's taken place, um, in America specifically, just because I grew up in America and that's the only reality I've known, you know, but, um, just because I think like for so many of these things that come from the earth and have like quite a long history, you yeah. know, in oh, yeah. human consumption. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've, we've tried to make God so small with so much of organized religion mm-hmm. where we've forgotten that if this is true, this creator, you know, then it's going to be involved in everything, you know, mm-hmm. or it's going to have a presence. And if this omnipotence or omnipresence is a quality of the divine, then it's going to be in every single thing, you know? And, yeah. and I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's like, I don't think people need to be as afraid Absolutely. I, I, I think I think that and, you know, it's it's really easy to, to get to get off in tangents on, on with this topic specifically, you know, but um, even say take the the creation myth, the creation story from Christianity. It involves humans becoming self-aware after eating a plant. Right now, yeah. according to the story, the plan was forbidden, but obviously it was created for a reason, you know. And so I, I think ev- like the, the 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 fear and the demonization of mind-altering plants goes back as far, just as far as our consumption of it, you know. Mm. I mean, some people have good trips, some people have bad trips, you know. Right. I mean, so like I was joking earlier, the last time we talked. Like, you know, humanity is the worst thing to happen to anything. And you kind of corrected me. And we're like, well, yeah, consciousness. And that's kind of the thing. It's like right. things were great. And the life was the Garden of Eden until we became self-aware, mm-hmm. until we separated ourselves mentally from our environment, from our creator, from each other, you know. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I think that's as much a story about... Um, self-awareness arising as a, as a quality of human consciousness on its own, like through, you know, through evolution and through just the, the our changing brains over millennia. Right. I think the creation story is about that just as much as it is about mind-altering plants that in the blink of an eye can change your entire worldview, you know. Mm. And... Um, 
And but along with that kind of demonization, because you you look at what was the what was the experience of eating the the forbidden fruit? It was okay. Men man became aware that they were naked, and yeah. knowledge of good and, and, evil. and knowledge of good and evil exactly. So like that whole, and it, and it wasn't that good and evil didn't exist. It's not. It was not like oh the fabrication of good and evil. It's like these things are already out there. They're in their own respective balances and measure, and that's just how the world is. Right. But then humans became aware of it and, you know, went through all that, all that torment of trauma of trying to figure it out and order it from our individual point of view. When that good and evil, what, you know, whatever it is, God saw fit to have create both of those and let them exist as they were. Yeah. And it wasn't until that we became and separated ourselves that it became problematic. Yeah, and it's this, because I believe we were designed to live outside of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, I, I love the image of the two trees, right? So it's the tree of life and then the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so in that has sort of formed a lot of my own belief system in choosing in like a spiritual way. I want to live in the tree of life. Like the decisions I make, I want to live as if I'm eating from the tree of life, you know? Mm -hmm. Because... Like morality, I feel that we wouldn't have even needed it, you know, or needed to understand it if we had, if we were okay with resting and yeah, don't eat, yeah, we don't eat that tree, right? But because of curiosity and hunger for truth, you know, and wanting to know what is right and wrong, you know, like we had to eat from the tree in order to be taught about the evil that we've been invited to be freed from again, you know, in this like weird, and, long going, like this big drama that God allowed to happen in order for us to really understand. You don't need all of this petty morality that you think informs and instructs everything or constructs everything. Like you could be freed from that. Yeah, I, and I think it's something I've also like, explored in, in different faith traditions as well as like you know trying to dig through the myths and stories of Christianity it's like well, like I said before if like so God had already created evil if we're going to stick to the, the the linear story of, of the Eden story so God evil was created and par as paradoxically as it may seem at some point he must have said and it was good you know, like, like for every, because everything got that got created, and God looked at it and said it was good. So if evil existed at some point for us to not not differentiate between, it existed as part of the the expanse, the balance, you know. Right. And and if God said it was good, then it couldn't even it couldn't actually be evil, you know. I mm -hmm. think even like that that story is not so much about. Oh, there being some arch nemesis, you know, some fallen angel, some Satan who just takes delight in thwarting God's plan and letting humans live a peaceful life. Like, I don't, like, even, I, I really, it's not that I don't, I don't know, there's a part of me that I don't actually believe in the devil, but he might be, like, it's the way a lot of people think about Jesus, like, or God. Like, I don't actually, like, a lot of people, like, I don't actually believe in God, but because he might be there, maybe I'll make, you know, right. tailor my life in certain ways or certain lines I won't cross. I don't actually believe in the devil, but I don't know, I, you know, just in case. Right. Be aware, you know. 
But I don't think the creation story and the fall of man is about evil as being diametrically opposed to good. I mm. think it's about a entering a state of self-identification, like real, realizing we in some way are separate from the world. Like just, just self-awareness. And if we're yeah. separate from the world, then we must be separate from where the world comes from. We must be separate from each other. We, you know, so it's just, it's just cascade, an inevitable cascade of, of thinking that once you become self-aware, I feel like that's what more of the, the, the creation story in the fall is about. Because before, just take for example, before we ate from the, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's also, you know, part of various creation stories that, oh, like, there was no, like, the, there was no violence between animals before the fall, and, like, well, all we yeah. ate was plants, and I don't think that's the case, but, but before we separate ourselves from nature, we wouldn't have felt guilty about killing an animal to eat. Mm. It was part of the natural order. But yeah. once we like became... Of life. Yeah, but once we became self-aware and realized consciousness in ourselves, we imbued it into everything around us. We realized this thing we killed was alive, was thriving, was mm. a, a beautiful animal, and we felt bad. And so that's why we started sacrificing things to the source, to whether people called it God or the spirit world or ancestors. Right. That was the source of sacrifice, is because we felt like we had to even out even the keel because we threw it off somehow like sacrifice offers a remedy to shame exactly exactly you know and and so there's so many yeah penance i mean and 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 then comes the notion of okay here's the big sacrifice god is going to give himself to you know even though the shame is ours god's going to give himself to to even things out yeah that all comes from a perception of separation and a perception that something's out of balance because of what we did, you know? Right. And, and now, in like in modern human age, we've literally thrown even the, f- the natural earth out of balance because of so many actions, you know? Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's like the formation of the individual, kind of. To, you know, in realizing that each and every one of us alone has you know life and death inside of us and yes yeah. an agency this to create life and death right you know and yeah it's it's yeah i think that just that and it happens every day as you know people's children are maturing and becoming self-aware you know and mm-hmm. and you know i guess to to see it on a gradual small scale is is even something to behold you know like seeing on like a child like look in the mirror for the first time or you know, start to realize that they're their own little person. Yeah. Like, for for that, to, when that happened on the human scale, that's, I don't know, there's just also mind-blowing. It's, you it's know? wild, Imagine yeah. being part of one of the first generations of self-aware humans. <laughs> yeah. Like, you look back at your grandpa, and you can just tell that, like, I don't know, like, that just must be weird. Again, it probably didn't happen in that short of a time. <laughs> right, but it's, I get so what you mean. It's a, Yeah, may, but maybe it did. You know, a lot of people think that, um, you know, like substances like psilocybin or other naturally occurring psychedelics facilitated that, like, change and growth in humans, that mm-hmm. self-awareness, you know. Yeah, isn't there, like, a whole stoned ape theory or something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that, be, that, 
the changes the changes caused by psychedelic plants like built the neural pathways to allow for self-awareness essentially i did watch a crazy documentary on fungi and the like the network that exists just on the the floor of the earth you know like and all the communication that goes on between plants through the fibers and little connections that are just on like a forest floor yeah there's there's um i I think it's some natives of of mexico and central america but there um it was one of the cultures there that uh was a was a mushroom religion like they're in in the way that like a lot of north american native spirituality revolves around peyote further south it like there's certain cultures who were like mushroom psilocybin mushroom based religions Mm. and their word for the mushroom translates to flesh of god flesh of the gods like like so so again like so there's this catholic tradition of you know off you know taking letting Christ be offered up as the sacrifice, as the remedy for guilt, you know, as you're saying. Yeah. But even that process of consuming the body of the divine, if you look at it from a different culture, it's not about um, making the wrongs right with the sacrifice. It's about getting to a higher level of awareness by intaking the divine, you know. Mm. Like, that. that's literally the name for the mushroom is flesh of gods, you know. Wow. Well, yeah. It's like a their form of communion almost. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah, with um, with some of the. I mean, right here in San Antonio is is one of the oldest known um, peyote cultures. The the. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Um, why am I totally blanky on the name? Why you're stuff? looking at me? <laughs> no, there, there's no there's um, there's uh, there's yeah the the tribes who like who were occupying this area when the missions were built. Hmm. Um, yeah, the who yeah who the why am I totally blanking on the name of the, on the name of the people? It'll come to me later. That's okay. But um, they're yeah they're they're like the oldest documented like as far as by by Europeans documented uh, peyote cultures here, but wow. they but that use goes back like ten thousand years. You know right? Like, yeah, there's so, I mean there's so many ancient herbs even you know yeah that. well so we're, we're looking at your world map in the other room and yeah. it's like we've both been to india um oh cool yeah really? and and just in my like like personal philosophy and like metaphysics studies i've been really attracted to the to the religions and and um philosophies of india and cannabis is is essential and central to a lot of practices there you know mm-hmm. like um a can there will be like some like we were visiting different temples and I noticed just a huge marijuana plant in front of one of the temples. Wow! And um, not only is it, is it is it native to India, it does grow. It literally grows everywhere. But like the guy who was my friend, my guide there, like was like, yeah, like the leaves, the ganja leaves are used in certain worship rituals. Like, like every practices. pretty much every sizable temple will have a plant specifically. To use for for the was it a Hindu temple? Yeah, 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 yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the deity Shiva is like v- extremely closely related with with cannabis. So, so the word for weed ganja mm-hmm. is is just a derivative of the Gangi the Ganja River the Ganga River. Oh wow! And so like this plant is considered like a material manifestation of this 
holy energy from the river. Whoa. Yeah. It's ex- wow, it's ex- I never it's, knew that. It's I extremely, that was... it's extremely, uh, like woven in, woven into, to that practice, to the religious yeah. practices there. Yeah. I find it, I would like to study Eastern religions more cause I haven't looked into them a whole lot, but I love that. Like the three major religions of the world all stemmed out of the Abrahamic yeah. traditions, you Father know, Abraham. and the, ca- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The connectedness of that alone is, just speaks to me in a way, you know, that makes me feel it's we're we're not quite fully figuring it out by limiting God to just one religious understanding. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and how like how arrogant is that to think like, oh, I'm right. And like, you know, the yeah. other 75 percent of the world is wrong. It gives you know, a very like, strong excuse for exclusivity that I think. Yeah. does not look like And heaven. that goes back to, like, kind of, I seek a lot of comfort in being like, there's no way I, as a human woman, could possibly get it right, you know? Like, how could I comprehend, like, the vastness of creation, you know? So it's yeah. like, yeah, for, this, for these people, this is what works for them, and this is the ritual that they find comfort in, and this is, you know, the teachings that makes the most sense to them but like why can't we all be right you know like as long as you're like your goal is to be a good person you know like love each other like why does it matter oh well i'm i'm presbyterian or i'm whatever like Mm -hmm. so it it it, doesn't like that those details don't really matter so much to me as like are you or like are you like just trying your best you know like right there's a there's like in certain religion uh hindu like metaphysics like in there that see that's one thing that has drawn me a lot to eastern and particularly uh hindu religions and philosophies is that like christianity western christianity doesn't answer a lot of the metaphysical questions that come up when you're thinking about the nature of reality in the world and like well, you know, how did God create the world, you know? And it's like, well, he said it and it happened. And it's like, um, like Eastern philosophies and religions, they just have, they're a lot more nuanced. And rather than getting lost in stories and myths, to me, it helps build up my internal understanding of, of as much as I'm able to, letting my brain kind of understand what what God is about, you know, rather than, Oh, it's this guy. It's a man. It's a guy in the sky. And, you know, after a while he got bored. And so he said, I'm going to make this do this in seven days. And like, that's just so it's like a boring cartoon, you know. But like when like you you get into Eastern philosophies, Hindu, Hindu philosophies, creation. And it's like, well, actually, this creation is just one in the cycle of many. And that God is continually creating preserving and reabsorbing mm. all kinds of realities, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and like, so one of the one of the properties that Hinduism attributes to God is being able to, the divine presence being able to divide itself without lessening. So like, well, what does that mean? To me, one of my understandings is that, so to, to be able to divide oneself without, that's how you achieve omnipresence. That's, that is the, that ability. It's yeah. like, being able to be with and be within all beings at once, you know? And that also is like, okay, being able to be present in all f- 
faith paths at once without mm-hmm. one being more correct than the other. Like, if the seed of each religion is a person or a culture's true experience, true experience of God, then God is not lessened in one as a, compared to the other. Right. You know? It's not like God is being damaged yeah. by someone trying to understand them. Yeah, all the water... Yeah, it's like, for as much as we do to it, all the water in the world is all that's ever been there, and that's all that ever will be, and that yeah. it just changes as... That is something, happen. too, I love just about the nature of... Nature and reality yeah. in a way that, like, like all the cycles that exist in everyday life and the, just a 24-hour day even and the death and rebirth that happens with the sun rising and setting every mm-hmm. day, you mm-hmm. know, and just this crazy interconnectedness of everything. And then even, like, Fibonacci's number or whatever, the, the spiral that's yeah. seen... Yeah. Yeah, that's so many different things in nature. That's something that I guess going back to like the beginning of this conversation that that psychedelic and visionary experience really gives you a perspective into and and helps create wonderment about is the mind blowing organization of the physical world. And it helps imbue a sense that that there is something beyond like that that organization comes from somewhere else you know yeah. you don't look at a building and think oh that building built itself up really good it's like no right. somebody somebody had to have designed and built it you know yeah and um and using like i once had this thought it's like god has given us the physical world as a roadmap to the spiritual world mm. if you cuz if you look around and look at things closely and <laughs> <laughs> Look at it closely. If you look at it closely, you, and like, and mystic uh, Judaism says, as above, so below, you know, like if you look at the world around you, you can learn a lot about what's going on beyond, beyond that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said about how psychedelic reality is. Oh yeah. Just alone. You know? I think that's, that is like an emergence into adulthood when you realize, man, life really is it's trip. just wild, yeah. Yeah. And the, just the reality of breathing. Like, this involuntary action we all do every moment that's a process of exhale and inhale, it's a miracle. Like, just yeah. to exist is such a trip, <laughs> you that's know? It's like, one of my yeah. favorite things about teaching science, especially in eighth mm. grade, because it's like, I don't know, I didn't like science when I was in school, but, like, now that I teach it and I understand it a little bit better I'm like this is so neat to and just it, like understand because like the stuff that we teach is not like really mysterious stuff like physics is not a secret you know like, if I, <laughs> right. like you know things are gonna move if you apply force to them or like whatever that stuff but like one of my you were what, I don't know what you're talking something about like our water's always been here right yeah. like I love teaching kids about like conservation of matter like the atoms in your body have always existed and like they just belong to you for this like brief period of time mm, and yeah. like you know it's and they're it's like wild. what do you mean and, they and i'm like no literally like you were two a cell from your mom and one cell from your dad and then your mom got pregnant she was hungry she was eating and those food atoms that she was putting in her face became your body and like now you're right. eating and you're eating putting atoms in your body and like some of them become like hair and some of them become poop and like 
it's, we're just all rearranging atoms and energy. And it's like, it's so meaningless and meaningful at the same time. Yeah, it you feels know? Like, paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like even like, like at certain moments of psychedelic clarity, when it's like we, you can sometimes stop asking why and just marvel at what is. Yeah. And just, and it, like when you can really, some, somebody will, I, I can't remember who said it, but they said the definition of spirituality is amazement or wonderment. Hmm. Being, and when you really get down to, um, like at the core of the why question, you can reach a peace and stop asking because you are just overwhelmed and yeah. in a good in a in a positive way. It's like in, resting in the way. awe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, resting in the awe. And I think that's that's a point that like we are all trying to get to. You know, like yeah. that. I mean, and I I see it like so much with the oversaturation and overstimulation of our lives and selves right now we just we're trying to get to you're we're, we're constantly trying to seek that that piece of when you disappear into sleep mm-hmm. and like you stop asking why and you just get you just get you're just part of it all and you just get it and when you come back out of it you feel so refreshed and like alive again then you gotta go back into the your normal way of thinking, but there's, you know, like there's something that we're all reaching for in, in, in doing whatever that we're, what we're doing in life that, um, that I, that I think when, when we do, if, if there is a heaven or if there is an enlightenment, a state of enlightenment or or a sense of a state of salvation, Mm -hmm. I think it's much more about entering that completely effortless peace peaceful state yeah it's not about being okay on one side of the golden the golden gates or the pearly gates rather <laughs> being on one side or the other you know it's about okay i can finally stop trying and just enjoy being part of it you know? yeah i think i yeah. think that's what we all want to feel as human beings as organisms and i think that's what we want as a conscious beings also you know I agree. I feel like we keep coming back to this idea of like there's peace and just like surrendering to the randomness of life and mm. like it is not my job to understand, you know, I just got to exist. And That's something my mom always used to say actually yeah. about talking about god questions. But like know? how arrogant is that to think that like you this insignificant collection of atoms <laughs> is like Oh, I got the answers, yeah. and I know the way. And like, if you're not on my path, well, you know, I'm sorry for you. But mm-hmm. like, that's another paradox in my mind: is the remembering my own insignificance and significance. Yeah, you know where. Yeah, it goes both sort ways. Sort of right? realizing the value I have as an individual, and much like this rest and surrendering we're talking about, a big part of my belief system could be boiled down to rest in your belovedness because I believe that there, I really do. I love the idea of God is love. You know, this, that the creator, the, the most I can understand about God is that they love me, you know? And from that, that gives me 
the motivation to remind others of their loveliness, right you know, right and on. to promote that that type of ideology where I'm not trying to get you to agree with me or get you to hop on my bandwagon or whatever, but I want you to feel as though you're a part of my family, you know, mm-hmm. and that big, broad connectedness, realizing that we can rest, we can all rest in this peace and all realize we're hungering for truth and meaning and understanding, but like let being loved be enough, you and, know? And I think that feeling comes from inside and I do. And, and, th- and I also think God, you know, is inside each of us. Yeah. In whatever sense one can understand that, I think that is a deep truth that God is inside everyone. And so when you experience that um, belovedness, I don't know your experiences, but when I really feel it, it's not something dawning on me. It's not Mm. me finally connecting with something way out there. It's this swell that comes from inside. It's this yeah. like rising up of an, what feels like a l- always known but long forgotten truth. It's not something new dawning on me when right. I feel taken care of by God. It's something like it's like, a it's like the sun rising again. And you're like, even you're like, I needed that. Even yeah. though I, I know it, it's happened before and it's going to happen again. Right now, this moment, I'm reminded of what it's all about. Mm. You know, and I think that it comes from that feeling comes from inside. And, yes. and there's so much, so many external prescriptions and chases and trips that people are on, like doing things outside that they forget that it comes from inside if you can get out of the way of it. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah it's, it feels kind of both and to me where I, I think it comes from inside, but then I think of the times where others... Have, have been, been the, the reminder, of, you yeah, know? Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it's like, but it's the good, like, the goodness and nature of God within them coming out to pull out the own goodness and nature of God within me. Yeah, it's know? like lighting one candle from another. The flame comes from another one, but yeah. the burnability, the candleness, uh, yeah. the, fl- the flame was still in that extinguished candle, just had to get woken That's up. A good an image. By yeah. the other one, you know. Candle. Oh, I like that. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Oh, man, guys, it's so fun to talk to you. I'm so glad we, we've been doing this. I, I, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, <laughs> this is everything I hoped for. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever been on a podcast before, either one of you? I was on a podcast once, or I, like, contributed to a podcast once in college. I would say I think yeah. so, but I don't know. I've been sitting around, <laughs> I've, I've sat around and had recorded conversations. I don't know whatever became of them. Yeah. <laughs> it could be out there in the ether. Yeah, who knows? If you ever started a podcast, what would you have a podcast about? Oh, man. Oh, well, see, I've, I, as, lately I've been... And this, I'm very late on this train, but I've been digging into Bob Dylan's Theme Time Radio Hour, oh. which was before streaming podcasts. They they came out in like 2004. It was like a like a radio web show. Okay. I don't know if there was even live access to it or if it just they came out in installments and they were put up on his website. But it was like this podcast format that he would do. I mean, with himself essentially, but he would take callers and read letters and stuff. 
But uh, wow. he had a topic for every episode, and he would play old songs or new songs about the topic, give you way in-depth background, life stories, um, you know, musical relationships between the artists. And it, I think I would do something like that. Because, it, number one, it's just so relaxing to hear Bob Dylan, old Bob Dylan talk about yeah. music. Time radio. <laughs> well, friend, it's so it's so good. And each episode starts out with a, a, a woman's voice. I don't know who it is reading like a short bit of Dylan-esque poetry. She'd be like, "Oh wow, it's nighttime in the city. A paper bag blows across an empty parking lot. A waiter quits his job and goes out for a cigarette. This is Bob Dylan, yeah. theme time radio. <laughs> like, and it's so comforting and oh, just nice cool. and like." I think I would, and the feeling it gives me is the feeling that I would want to impart with a with yeah. a podcast. So I, I would do something like that, I think. Oh, that's cool. I think I would want to interview people who are facing mortality. Whoa. I think, well, like, yeah, I think that's what I want to do. Mm. I, would, I had to think for a while. Dang. But, like, that really shaped a lot of my childhood was that, like, my mom was dying, you know? And, like, you, and y'all knew it. Nobody survives ALS. Like, mm-hmm. it is, like, you know, I mean, nobody survives life, right? But, like, <laughs> knowing that, like, the timeline is more finite than you thought and, like, just all the existential questions and revelations that come from being in that state of like mm. you all your your time is limited yeah. um i think it'd be really cool to like interview people like how they're dealing with that or what absolutely they yeah that, oh, that's out of sight okay. and i think that great. there's so much to be learned for those of us not facing yeah. immediate mortality you know or like so we think. known mortality <laughs> right that's the thing yeah. Because, like, any of us could die any minute. But I think it's good to listen to people that sort of have a shortened... Or they realize that time is running out quicker than most, Mm -hmm. you know? Because that puts you in a place where you are thinking, like, okay, what is actually important? Yeah. You know, if I've only got this long... Yeah, i got two years, you know? What am I... What's important to me? What do I... What am I absolutely want to do before I can't do it anymore? You know, like my child, we traveled all over the world because it was like, we're not, you That's know, so, this is our last, this so is mom's wild. last chance to see the Galapagos Islands. Like, let's go. Her, let's take a month off they, school they and go car- to They carried Linda, you know? Linda was like, her mom, they carried Linda up to Enchanted Rock, oh, duct taped yeah. to a stretcher. Yeah, well, because oh, she was wow. in, a, at that point she was in like a power wheelchair and she was like, I want to go to the top of Enchanted Rock. So like, <laughs> she went to that the, awesome. she went to the fire station and we borrowed a stretcher. We like wrapped her in blankets and duct taped her. To oh a stretcher and like her closest, it was my eighth birthday. Her closest <laughs> friends like carried her up Enchanted Rock, and so many people are like, "You see someone on a stretcher, you're like, shouldn't you be going down?" Right. <laughs> she, was like, no. she was like, "Let's do it. I want to do that." That is so, so like, and we have a picture beautiful. of all of us like standing at the top, and we have this like stretcher upright, and she's like wrapped in so much <laughs> duct tape. Linda like, is like, the yeah, coolest person it. that I never was given the opportunity to meet. Yeah. Like I like I feel. Such a deep spiritual connection with Linda. Mm. Yeah, she was, it's, she's 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 a wonderful, cool a wonderful person. Yeah. But you know, she was, she was actively dying like most of my conscious life. So like right. I don't know if she was. I mean, I'm, I think she was just really cool 
as it was. Yeah, like, totally. I think, like, her illness made her cooler in a way because she was like, right? uh, well, you know what, like, she, like yeah. let's do it right now. Yeah, you know? and like, she just came to an understanding that this thing she doesn't have control over, what can she still control in it? Yeah. And I feel like hearing you talk about her, her, her perspective was not one of, defeat Surrender, you know yeah. Yeah. like yeah. she wasn't it's giving like, up right, the but clock is ticking you know we gotta do it right now good. or life, not at all life to the last drops you know yeah, yeah. I, my first day of my metaphysics course in college I will always remember the professor like you know people sat down and he was just sitting there for a while letting everyone the the din die down he said the philosopher's job is preparing for death not particularly for your own, but for of all those around you. Huh. And that has always, always st- stayed with me. You yeah. know, like that. I mean, that's like one of the that's like one of the the big ones. That's one of the big questions about where God and reality all come in. Is like, well, what happens after you die? Like you know, I mean, that, that's like that's like the whole crux of so many. So many religious practices and, and yeah. lifestyles, you know. And it's like just thinking about those things is I feel like that's one of the things that dawned on Adam and Eve once they ate that apple. Like they're like at first it was like, I'm naked, and then it was like, I'm gonna die. So yeah, that, like just <laughs> brought in the conception of death. Yeah, alone, yeah, know? you know. Yeah. And um, and figuring Figuring that out the best you can is like, for for people who think in that way, that's like one of your biggest tasks. You know? Yeah, and I, there's a, like the a lot of the old monks and stuff I heard, used to do their praying, and they would have like a human skull on their desk, as a reminder. Mm-hmm. There's of, of their own finiteness. Th- there's you know, there's and, certain very extreme ascetic sects of, of monks in India who like same thing like they'll you know have they'll carry around human remains I mean because because of the oh. the cremation grounds there oh yeah they're like I mean human or like in various cities and a lot of cities it's like there's death is very present you know mm-hmm. right and like kind of a task or a practice of a lot of the very austere monks there is to sit and meditate in front of a body as it's being uh, cremated, mm. carrying around human bones, rubbing human ash on your body, like, wow. uh, like they call it in Latin "momento mori," like mm-hmm. the remembrance of death, as not like a macabre practice, but as a, well, a it, tool. You it, know? Yeah, it seems. I think it brings more fullness to life. You yeah, know? and I have my dog's skull in my uh, oh, my, wow. my dog of fifteen years. I after he died, I let him to rest under a tree where he'd always go to and. I don't know, after like five or six months, I went back and his skull is there. So wow. I kept I kept it. And it's like, it's that kind of thing. It It, it is a, just a great reminder of the brilliance of life and also the mystery of whatever happens after that. Yeah, of death. Yeah, and I think that like one of the big things with my own faith and belief system, and particularly after I got paralyzed because I was thinking of how close I came to death, you know, and how like just to be alive alone was, it felt like such a gift and a miracle to have lived through it. And it created in me this, where in the understanding of heaven, you know, and 
how much of my upbringing was put with that as a priority and remembering like, yeah, be in love with God so you can go to heaven, you know? Mm -hmm. And as I've grown more and more, I realized that that's not so much the goal as I want, as much as I want to bring heaven to earth now, like with my own life and decision and the words I use and things. For sure. But in that thinking of heaven, it makes death so much less negative, you know, or fearful to me. Where death now just feels like the doorway to the next <laughs> portion of my existence, you know? Yeah. And the more full portion. Mm-hmm. after Because now being paralyzed, I'm like, okay, I know what it's like to walk and feel. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when I die, sure, this physical body will be dead. Mm-hmm. But I think, well, I just so deeply believe that there is so much more to life after life, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. there's like, we, we can't explain it, but it's, I just, I, it, it makes death so unscary to me, you know, and something yeah. really to celebrate rather than, a, rather than a, a book end. Well, it's death, just a page. Yeah. yeah. And that's what makes life meaningful. Like if we had eternity to figure it out, like we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know? <laughs> like, right. It's like, if, if we're just around forever, yeah, the like, end is necessary yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, and I, yeah, I feel like just a awareness of death is probably something that I developed much younger than for sure most people, but it's like, it really is a beautiful thing. Like, I literally, I was like in second grade, like sitting on my mom's lap, like, where are we going to put your ashes? You know, like, let's make a list. Wow. And like, yeah. you know, my mom literally made a list of women that she thought my dad should date after she died. Oh my goodness. Like, she's like, yeah, she's like don't be single for too long. Like you're, you're hopeless. You need a woman in your life, you know, like (laughs) to get you started, here are some women that I approve of, (laughs) you know? And like, it's, we're not going to be here, you know, like you, you know, at a certain point you're just like, all right, well, one thing about life, why not plan for it? It goes, it goes on. Why not talk (laughs) about it with your, with your friends? Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, celebrate the fact we're not dead yet. You know, like, the, yeah. don't, that's so, that's don't so, waste that's your so life. Wild. That says so much about Linda. a good time, not a long time. That, that's a, that says so much about Linda. Like, you know, she's giving your dad a list of, of prospective girlfriends <laughs> afterwards. And my mom is still, and my dad passed in 2019. Huh. It's like still has closets full of his clothes that she's trying to pawn oh off of me. God. I'm like, oh, yeah. dad, dad, we're not the same size. Like, you, you can give them <laughs> away, like. We, we, say we don't need to hang can. on to them, you know. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, you And, know. like, everybody has their own process with of, grief, of grief. And your yeah. mom's process has been holding on to a lot of material things that your dad probably could have cared less about. Yeah. But it's something, like, in seeing that, we go home and I'm like, please give away all my clothes. You know? It's <laughs> like, don't, don't hold on to these. You yeah. know, that's yeah. not me. I'm not in that towel yeah, you know, like, and and also I don't know what it's like to be around your stuff for you know, forty years either. Maybe a little yeah, different than, but sure. But like some of the things. But you know how I I, I just make sure that my records go to. Yeah, no, I got you, babe. Someplace important. I mean, <laughs> who, who would keep? Who would take care I, of? I planned to die yeah. for you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure. But. <laughs> But, oh. like, the towel that he had night sweats on, like, that, come on, like, <laughs> throw it away. Like, give it, like, come on. Like, I don't, you don't need to associate me with, with stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Know, like, 
if you like my jewelry or, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) but she just, and that's like kind of, yeah, for, you know, know, she she holds on to a lot of material things. Yeah. It just, it it teaches, I I guess, again, to like make some, some comparisons, like as spiritually rooted and as, as God focused as my mom always has been, she still has, you know, that material attachment to my dad's old stuff, you know? Yeah. And she's human. It's totally yeah. understandable, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, um, I mean, it's just like humans are not logical, linear creatures. We're, 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 we're so wild. We're, yeah, exactly. We, we, we experience, uh, exhibit as much chaos as the rest of the universe, you know? Yeah. And, and then, not a single one of us is like the other yeah, entirely. And it's, yeah. And it's like the, you know, <coughs> I really feel like Jesus would be like, you don't need to carve all these statues of me. You don't need to like <laughs> erect all these buildings. You really don't need to do this stuff. I just want you to be good to each other. Yeah. yeah. Help the poor, you know, feed the hungry, care for the sick, visit the criminals. I literally told you to, I gave you a clear list of all the stuff I want you to do. Yeah. But humans in our humanity are like, oh, we loved him so much. Let's build this statue and invade this country yeah. just to make sure no one ever forgets about him. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, uh, it's so arbitrary. Yeah, I remember yeah. we when my dad got remarried, we ended up switching to my stepmom's church because the church that we had been going to um, did put the body, the body, ooh, the blood of Christ in crystal chalices and not gold chalices. Oh my goodness. You know, and I'm like, tisk, I think Jesus tisk. wouldn't mind if we drink it out of a paper cup, you know? Yeah, like, for real. Yeah. It's, but it's, you know, some people. For some good friends of mine that got married not long after I moved here and I had the sweet fortune of emceeing their reception. Nice. My dad was able to come and they needed elements for doing communion at the ceremony and he went, like, so he ran to a gas station and got, like, some gas station wine and a little... <laughs> a thing of wafers, like, like yeah, Ritz it was, or something. Well, it was, like, some <laughs> some pastry of some sort, you know? You, and it was just Protestants a, are so freewheeling. Free, yeah. Freestyling. But because, I mean, I think... And I understand, like, the, the reverence mm-hmm. and ritual of the Catholic understanding of communion, but I believe that with Jesus coming and dying and raising again... It was like this flinging open of the doors of the gates, and yeah. the breaking of the temple wall you know, or like the barrier mm-hmm. to realize the temple's within you. I am so much more beyond yeah. what you can fathom and understand and your little traditions and rituals don't capture me entirely. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and think, what was the Last Supper but a man facing his own mortality and like just trying to have a nice have time a nice with his time friends. Have a nice time with some friends, you know? yeah. Like, yeah, like, right, wow. I don't got much time. Yeah. But like I would I would have loved to hear a podcast from the Last Supper. <laughs> like a like like the get like that Beatles, like like that Beatles, <laughs> like the Beatles doc that just came out. Oh like, yeah. Like I just want to hear the the those the pencil mics above the chatter. The, uh, above the table and just like hear what <laughs> all Did he say this? Was what were they talking? Should we be drinking this? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Gosh. Well, we've just done another 50 minutes, you guys. And so we got to wrap it up to fit inside the radio barriers. It has been a pleasure, man. Thanks thanks for having us. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, this is 
this is the meat of of life as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Doing, doing exactly what we're doing right here. So. Huh. Well, you're welcome anytime. We can do it again. Right on. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Me too.